Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of JavaScript Jabber. This week on our panel, we have Steve Edwards. Howdy, howdy from clear and cold Portland. I'm Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. There are a few things I just want to throw out real quick. One is you can go get my, a copy of my resume at topendevs.com slash resume. That's just a template you can use. It's uh, Word and Pages, I think, are the formats I have in there. So you can edit it yourself and put your own name and stuff on it. And then the other one that is, is we're starting a book club. We're going to be doing clean architecture with Uncle Bob Martin. That's going to start in December. And he's going to, I talked to him and he's going to show up to some of our calls. So if you want to come talk clean architecture with Uncle Bob, he won't be on all of them, but he'll be on some of them. So yeah, look forward to that. You can go sign up now. If you sign up now, I'm planning on planning out the next few books. And so you get to weigh in on that if you're in during the month, the rest of November and stuff. Anyway, we have a special guest this week, and that is Wycliffe Mina. Do you want to introduce yourself, let people know who you are and why you're famous? And mm, Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so my name is Mina Wycliffe or Wycliffe Mina. So you can say it either way. So I'm a software engineer at a company called Funksource. I am a TypeScript enthusiast, so I really love hacking around TypeScript. And with that, I publish regularly or semi-regularly on my newsletter, All Things TypeScript, uh, whereby I get to cover different concepts and different ideas around, uh, around TypeScript. My goal being to teach developers how to take advantage of the type, TypeScript type system and in the end, write better code, TypeScript code with less bugs. I'm also a Google developer expert for Angular. And that's just about a bit about me. I'm not famous, by the way, yeah, but I will be at some point in the future, I guess. There we go. Yeah, we always tell people that after this podcast comes out, then you'll be really famous. Uh, yeah, I just have to tell Twitter to verify me. I don't know if I want to be the kingmaker <laughs> in the JavaScript world. Yeah. The official one, not the blue one. That's right. Hey, folks, this is Charles Maxwood. I've been talking to a whole bunch of people that want to update their resume and find a better job. And I figure, well, why not just share my resume? So you, if you go to topendevs.com slash resume, enter your name and email address, then you'll get a copy of the resume that I use, that I've used through freelancing, through my, most of my career, as I've kind of refined it and tweaked it to get me the jobs that I want. Uh, like I said, topendevs.com slash resume will get you that. And uh, you can just kind of use the formatting. It comes in Word and Pages formats, and you can just fill it in from there. So yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about TypeScript for a minute, and then we can talk about the newsletter. What, why TypeScript? Right? I mean, I, I hear people getting enthusiastic about React or things like that, but not not necessarily TypeScript. Where it's like, wow, I get TypeScript. <laughs> yeah, the thing is about me is that I can do. I do. I'm a full stack developer by trade. So my day uh -huh. revolves around working on the front end with uh, with either Angular or or React on the back end via Node.js with TypeScript and even sometimes TypeScript has gone to a lot of weird places, including infrastructure as mm -hmm. code. So we have something like uh, AWS CDK, which you can write to your infrastructure instead of using YAML. You can use TypeScript and then do everything you can do with TypeScript. And as I was exploring all this, or as I was doing all this, I realized a lot of people, including me then, didn't know how to write good TypeScript, didn't know how to write things in a TypeScript idiomatic way, in a way that, mm -hmm. that made it easier so that you don't have, end up with a lot of bugs. So about a year ago, I decided I'm going 
to go down into it. I'm going to explore TypeScript and then I'm going to teach developers how to be better, better with TypeScript. So I started with a series called a Byte of TypeScript a while back. I didn't I didn't do that for very much long, but after some time I decided, okay, I'm going to do a newsletter uh, all in TypeScript that is about eight months ago. And I have been publishing regularly or trying to publish regularly since then and trying to teach developers how to take the TypeScript because I believe that by understanding the typing system, because when you're coming to from a JavaScript concept or JavaScript world, the typing system doesn't exist and a lot of developers make a lot of mistakes. And then when they get introduced to TypeScript, they're like, why do I have to care about types now? Why is that throwing that error? Well, in JavaScript doesn't, why not uh, cast it uh, or assert it as any? and just get it done with. And I'm here to tell developers, do this, don't do that, or avoid that if it's not a hard don't. And that's mm-hmm. been my goal for the last eight months also. Yeah, it's funny because we get on these, and, and unfortunately, AJ's not here. He's our resident contrarian to all things TypeScript. <laughs> I think there are things that he likes about it, but for the most part, he likes JavaScript being lean and mean. And a lot of the the kind of, built-in typing that you get in javascript yeah it's how do i put it it's it's not strongly typed it's weakly typed yeah but you know so your variables can you know you can go from one thing to the other and things like that i do like kind of the constraints that it puts on functions and things like that as far as expect a string right and it'll actually the tooling will warn me dude you said string right (laughs) so so that kind of thing I find handy. But yeah, TypeScript tends to adopt a lot of the things that are going through the ECMAScript process yeah. and adopts those. And I think that's where a lot of his where a lot of his objections are with it, right? Because a lot of those features you can do in another way that is maybe a little bit more native to JavaScript. But sometimes some of the syntactic sugar and some of those features to me, at least make it more readable. Some of them, I I agree. I think they're completely superfluous to what you're trying to do in code. And unless you understand how that feature works and what it is, you're adding something that is going to be mental overhead for somebody else to come and maintain. But yeah, overall, I, I tend to like aspects of it. But I'll also admit that when I'm writing JavaScript or writing scripting for code, I I write JavaScript. I don't write JavaScript. So. <laughs> hey, Chuck, real quick. Sorry, before you jump in, Mina, yeah. I think it's safe to say that AJ is a resident contrarian, not just resident contrarian on TypeScript. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> he has his list. <laughs> <laughs> right. There are a number uh, of things he's a contrarian on. Yeah, he told me he wasn't able to make it. He said, this sucks because I'd be interested to see if this guy can answer more of my TypeScript questions. So you know he had some. <laughs> but... I'll throw this out there real quick. There actually is a TC39 proposal out there on adding type annotations. If you look on on their GitHub repo, and I don't know if you were going to get to this or not, so I'll throw it in the show notes for anybody that's interested in looking at it. But it is something that's, you know, they're looking at, at adding to, to JavaScript itself. You mean the one that was type says comment thingy? ECMAScript <laughs> proposal type annotations. That's under the TC39 GitHub organization. So, and I've I've heard discussions about it before too. I'm not sure what phase it's in right now, but uh, it's out there. I think it'd be interesting just from the standpoint of we've seen them adopt other stuff, right? So, like promises came out in a library, and then they adopted it as part of the language, but they didn't adopt kind of the tried and true way that the library worked in every case. 
And I found that sort of interesting. And so I'm, I'm curious to see how similar it is to TypeScript and whether or not it would bring those aspects into JavaScript or not. It's always interesting to see how JavaScript is going to evolve being influenced by TypeScript in that I think we can agree we need some sort of like level, not a basic level, or at least some level of type annotation in JavaScript. That would be great. It would be nice if our types did not, uh, were not weak in that you could start with a string and end up with a date or an object by the time you are done mutating the variable. On the other hand, it's all, always a question of when they were, if they were to stick on one way that's different from TypeScript, then what happens next in terms does TypeScript adopt that or do they go their separate way and then decide uh, we'll converge on the tooling aspect of it? Yeah, I will say that if they add this to the language, I think the one thing that makes makes me okay with it is that they are diligent about reverse compatibility, right? Yeah. Backwards compatibility. And so the fact that I can go and I can write my my JavaScript weekly typed I mean, I have to say that my, the, the language I spend most of my time in is Ruby, and it is also weekly type. And it's very comfortable for me, and it doesn't bother me that the variables can change types or that I can have a function or method return myriad of types or anything like that. I like the tooling, and I like what the tooling gives us. But yeah, at the end of the day, I wouldn't want to be constrained by it, right? I don't want it to be complaining that I don't have type annotations on it. Yeah, I think it seems like it's a matter of like uh, creating a balance, trying to figure out how do you find that in between, whereby if someone mm-hmm. wants to be as explicit as possible, we can give them the necessary tools for that, while at the same time allowing someone who just wants to write a quick script or to do some quick prototyping to do it without having to be told, now you have to explicitly type everything you need to do in order to make that work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess the next question is, what inspired you to start a newsletter about TypeScript? Yeah, so in, I have been doing blogging for a while now, I think about four five years now. And initially it used to be just about uh, mostly Angular. At some point I think I've mm-hmm. done some Flutter, Go, and so on. And this time I wanted to do something completely different. So initially the idea I had for all things TypeScript was like, what is a collection of articles? So CAD curated articles that I would send out weekly every mm-hmm. Monday. And I did that for a few months, uh, whereby I uh, said like five to between five and 10 articles. I never had like a fixed number on it, but I would say not less than five and not more than 10 because I did not want it to be too huge. And then sort of like also included tweets at the end of it. And with time, this evolved to a point where I was like, now I'm getting subscribers when you get to 50. And I was like, am I providing value to these subscribers who have joined my newsletter? And I was like, maybe let me start including lessons every week, not just curated articles. And that's how my newsletter evolved from just being something, an email list of articles you might be interested for to read, to read, to something that sets out weekly lessons and uh, sort of like middle, what I call a scoop, which is something very small or very compact to, uh, to elicit that discussion so that I can share 300 words and then I'll be like, I open it up for discussion for people to share their opinion on it. So, the, right. yeah, the first one is a huge deep dive, which is over a thousand words. 
Yeah, so in a, to answer your question, it evolved from as at least a hard curated risk to what it is now. And I'm quite sure that's going to change as we go, as I go into the future, as I try and decide where to place, where, where, where exactly I want all these types to be, because I can see sort of like having a challenge section at some point in the future and things like that. So I'm still evolving. I'm still learning from right. what people want and I'm trying to figure out how exactly to teach TypeScript uh, and be effective at it. That's cool. How many people do you have subscribed now? I wrote a state of all, <laughs> state of all things TypeScript today. I just sent it out about an hour ago. And that last count was around 365 or more. I think there are two or more or three more subscribers on top of that. Yeah, but currently starts at risk to something. Very cool. Yeah. So you send out a set of links and a lesson every week. Uh, so it's two different emails. I said I I don't send out the set of links anymore. So at the moment I send out okay. two emails. One is a deep dive, and the other one is sort of like a, a discussion topic with uh, my thoughts, my views on it, and. And then people can add their mm-hmm. own content to it. Not that people have a few people which comment here and there, but I'm still working towards getting my, what is it called, the uh, tone of the email site so that I can elicit that. Uh, so it's forcing me to learn how to do uh, articles that uh, connect with people in a different ways because normally mine were usually blank or still in terms of like uh, emotionless of the articles. And that never triggers mm-hmm. people to share or uh, discuss about that. So it's something I'm still learning. Right. Yeah. I guess the other thing that I'm curious about is, are there, and I guess this is two questions, but I'm going to ask it together anyway. Are there topics that you find that people either don't get or misunderstand or things about TypeScript? And the other question is, what topics do you find are the most popular when you put an email out? you know, gets more opens or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. There are some topics around TypeScript uh, that people are always looking for information about. Uh, one of the most common one is generics. You can teach generics 10 times and people are always like, uh, what are those? But one of the more confusing one that, one that is usually, I usually think it's uh, funny because it's easy, but at the same time, uh, people seems to be confused because when uh, the answer you give them always forces them to do more. So it's usually, I think that's why people usually try to not understand it is uh, how do you how do you convert your types when you get a, a data from the API? The TypeScript doesn't know what type is it. How do you tell TypeScript what that is? So in a lot of ways, a lot of people usually go to assertions. And if you know what you're doing, they are great. But if you if you are not careful, you might end up in a situation whereby you are working on the wrong model of data because you are you are started auto TypeScript. This is something different, and this is why I usually try to explain to people how to do type narrowing. I remember a whole back we had an argument in an interview, which I was being interviewed on how 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 exactly to go about it. And the interview was Adam, and the only way to do it was uh, assertions. And I had to try mm-hmm. to try and try and say them. Yeah, assertions is one way, but I don't recommend doing that. You have to do A or B. Right. Yeah. So in terms of popularity, I would say 
to be honest, I'm not sure which, which are the most popular ones, but Time Narrowing would probably be at the top of my list, whereby directly connected to assertion. But in this case, if you have something with multiple types, uh, that is unions, how do you get the type exactly you want? Or how do you come from a broader type to a more narrower type that you can then consume safely? So I usually find those right. topics which should capture people's imagination. And then there are other concepts around uh, any unknown, never, or how to use those different concepts, uh, those different types in ty- TypeScript properly within your application. Right. Yeah. So, Steve, have you done much with TypeScript? No, that's been one of those things where I've read a lot about and listened to endless discussions about TypeScript, but haven't delved in it too much. Uh, we have been implementing it more and more in our large app that I do on a day-to-day basis, but I haven't had too much opportunity to, to write it yet, to use it yet. I know in you know Vue 2, it was sort of a bolt-on. It was sort of a pain in the rear to try to, to implement TypeScript with downloading extra libraries and stuff. And I know in Vue 3, it's implemented out of the box, so you can, you can do it much easier. But mm-hmm. uh, I understand the the use case for it and how it, you know, ideally it prevents errors. And because I've certain errors that I've run into before, you know, where you're passing a string something and it's looking for an object or some of the basic stuff, but not something I have a lot of hands-on experience using just yet. I'm sure at some point I'm going to have to to really dive into it. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm seeing as far as like uptick and adoption, right, is, I mean, Angular 2, I think, they they were pushing, they had an at script that they were putting together on their own. And then they, I think they had conversations with the TypeScript team at Microsoft. And they said, this is, this is filling all the needs we were trying to fill with the other thing. And so they adopted it. And so you see a lot of adoption of TypeScript in Angular and you have for the last few years. And then um, at the same time, React was doing ES6 for a long time, and I'm seeing them move in in masses to TypeScript because, again, they're getting a lot of what they want from TypeScript, and the React team is encouraging people to move that way. And then, yeah, with Vue, uh, with Vue 3, it, it seems like it's encouraged, but I might be misreading that. Well, yeah, I think it's encouraged. It's not required. Right. Uh, and Vue 3 itself, the, the core language is written with TypeScript. So that helps, you know, in a lot of your, when you're using your IDE in terms of type hints and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but you can do, you can do Vue without it, but it's just a lot easier to use it if you do want to use it. Yeah. Well, you can do Angular without TypeScript too, but it's really painful. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd heard that it was all pretty much a requirement with Angular. It, it basically is. I mean, if you want to bang your head against the wall, you can make it work. I've talked to a few people who have, but yeah. Yeah. And they have very flat heads too, right? <laughs> they do. Yeah. They've got scars on their foreheads. <laughs> yeah. With that, you'll have From to where go the wall bit them, yeah. out of your way <laughs> to, just use, yeah. to not use TypeScript. Uh, yeah. You're asking for a world of pain <laughs> in, in Angular, but yeah. Because everything just expects it to be there. So. I can't, but yeah. I can't even imagine from this position where I would start if you told me to use JavaScript with TypeScript. Yeah, I talked to some people who stubbornly put in hours and hours and hours and hours to try and make it work. So, yeah. Why? Just because they hate TypeScript and don't want to learn it, or why? Uh, it was either it, it was it was either that, or they just wanted to prove that you could do it the other way. And I don't think they won that argument, even if it worked. <laughs> that sounds like something AJ would do. <laughs> so. Anyway, 
Hey there, this is Charles Maxwood. I'm excited because I wanted to let you know about this thing that I pulled together that I had just, I've been dying to have this for years and I never felt like I could. And then I just realized that there's no reason why I can't. So um, I'm putting together a book club and we're going to read development focused books, career books, you know, uh, technical books, whatever. The first book that we're going to do is going to be Clean Architecture by Uncle Bob Martin. If you're not familiar with Clean Code or some of the other stuff that Bob has done, check that out. I've also talked to him on the Clean Coders podcast, which is on Top End Devs. But uh, yeah, we're going to get on. He's going to show up to some of our meetings. And what I'm thinking is we'll probably have like five or six people uh, part of the conversation along with Bob and I at the same time. And we'll just, uh, so somebody can come on, they can ask their question, and then we'll just ro- rotate people through. So we'll we'll mute one person, unmute another person when it's their turn to come on and, and be part of the discussion. So we'll do that for like an hour, hour and a half. And then the other part of it that I'm putting together is just kind of a meet and greet gather area on Gather Town. And so after the the meetup and the call, what we'll do is we'll all go over to Gather Town and you can just log in, walk up to a group and have a conversation. And that way we can all kind of get to know each other and and make friends and, and get to know people across the world. Uh, one thing that I'm finding is that, yeah, the meetups are starting to come back, but a lot of people don't have the opportunity to go to a meetup. And I really want to meet you guys and talk to you. So we're going to put all that together. It'll all be part of that book club. You can go to topendevs.com slash book club to be part of it. And I'm looking forward to seeing you there. The first book club meeting will be in December, the beginning of December. We're starting the first week of December. And um, you'll also be part of the conversation about which book we do next. I have one in mind, but I want to see where everybody's at. So there you go. But yeah, so I see a lot of things going toward TypeScript. I mean, what have you done with TypeScript? Yeah, like I said at the beginning, one of the more interesting was infrastructure as code. This is mm-hmm. mostly enabled by AWS. A few years back, they released AWS CDK uh, component, not cloud development kit, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And this, okay. yeah, this allows you to write your um, uh, uh, your infrastructure code. That is that uh, to provision infrastructure, mm-hmm. lambdas, EC2, and so on using TypeScript, and then use their CLI to build that into cloud formation and deploy. So this allows you to use just for testing normal TypeScript code and everything is TypeScript. So one thing I should say at my previous company, because that's when we used to use TypeScript a lot on everything, is that all our stack from the backend fronted infrastructure as code was all in TypeScript. So you had you didn't write any other language, maybe apart from YAML. I don't know if YAML can be called a language. <laughs> Everything else was in TypeScript, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that was the more interesting things to do with TypeScript. But other than that, there is also the issue suspect that is uh, front-end work. So I have worked extensively with both Angular and TypeScript, not TypeScript, but React. And then on the backend Node.js, we didn't. We used to deploy everything on on uh, what are they called? We used to deploy everything on lambdas, AWS okay. lambdas. So oh, lambdas. yeah, so you okay. everything no need for a framework. So everything was just a single function that does everything. <laughs> so no no framework at all. So mm-hmm. currently at work, mostly work as a front end engineer. So mostly types uh, React TypeScript. We have a mixed code base, which is basically JavaScript. Uh, that is where it started out. And we are trying to migrate and push it towards TypeScript. I think at the moment, last time you might check, we have like uh, 60% of it 
in TypeScript, and it's still a cha- uh, it's still a challenging because we are trying to do an, an MVP here. So mm-hmm. TypeScript is not a priority. So I seem to be right. the only one to be taken seriously. And it seems like we have to do a lot of work afterwards once we have the MVPs out and we have a product and we need to all say, let's like maintainable code and let's clean up all the any types allowed because you should come come across any cause close a lot. We have uh, so we had that discussion and we are like, if if you come across something you can fix real quickly, do do that. Otherwise, uh, just leave it. <laughs> if it's working, don't break it or don't fix it. And then right. afterwards, we'll try and and do the cleanup once the MVP is out. Makes sense. It's interesting too to have the conversation about making the transition right because, like Steve said, right. Yeah. A lot of stuff is Vue 2, JavaScript, and you're moving to TypeScript. Steve, you said your company has been making that transition too. I'd, I'd love to hear what both of your perspectives are as far as adopting it into a project that wasn't originally started in TypeScript. Don't know if I can, how much I can add to that in regards to ours because it was started before I came on board. Mm-hmm. You know, the app was originally started to be built in 10 years ago. <laughs> and so there's a lot happened since then. Uh, I know that my boss has has told me that he tries to implement TypeScript in wherever possible. In the case of our application, it's not necessarily within view single file components as it in other JavaScript files that we'll implement, whether it's Vuex or, you know, just some other helper functions or mix-ins or stuff like that. So it's it takes a little bit of learning, especially with the complexity mm-hmm. of some of the our app and some of the, the TypeScript implementations. But it's it's not like, okay, we will do this and have to do this every time. It's more of, a, okay, whenever we get a chance, we'll try to to uh, implement it and update it. Right. Yeah. How about you, Mina? Yeah, I think uh, this is the first time I'm doing this. I don't know, really know why you should end up with code bases that start out with JavaScript that <laughs> it was TypeScript, but it seems like I have an affinity for them. But the general consensus I have come across is that don't try and sit down and say, we are going to migrate this all the way to the end. Try to take small chances if you find yourself working on something that hasn't been migrated and you can't do the migration do the migration. So at the current, uh, uh, current tree, we have a policy of about don't spend more than 20% of your time trying to do the migration. So try to make a sensible uh, decision on how long it's going to take because you don't really want to be spending too much time to do that. On the other hand, it's good to live if, if you can't do a complete migration of a file. I'll probably say don't migrate it, right? leave it in JavaScript for the time being instead of having like uh, incorrect types for a file because that gives you a false impression that that's migrated and you might prevent someone from having a look at it a little bit later. So the biggest challenge I have seen is that, especially if you are new to a code base, is trying to make uh, to figure out how how exactly to type things without the intention, uh, knowing the intention of the original creator or the intention of how, what the code does. So you find yourself trying to figure out is this correct or not correct? And the worst part of it is that because TypeScript, TypeScript doesn't exist at runtime, you're probably never going to know <laughs> until someone else comes along and says, oh, no, this is wrong, or someone implement, integrates it in the wrong way. So those are the kind of challenges uh, around migrations uh, have come across. So the other one is obviously if you do it wrong, you find yourself 
relying with either any of those TS directives for ignore or accept expected left and right. And I'm not a huge fan of those. I don't think I have anything to add to that. <laughs> yeah, I was just trying to think where we want to go from here. I mean, do you have other plans at this point for the newsletter? Are, are there things you're looking to add to it or do different on it? The only thing I was thinking of exploring a little bit more is to do with migrations because I feel like we do cover a lot. All uh, There is a lot of literature out there, a lot of content out there that covers doing things in TypeScript. But we don't have a lot of content out there telling you when you're moving from JavaScript to TypeScript, this is how you do it when you find yourself in this situation. These are possible ways out of it. And if you are just starting out or planning out a migration, try these strategies. And the reason for this is because Mm -hmm. we have a lot of code that exists in JavaScript. And if people just say, today we are going to do migrate views in TypeScript left and right and without a strategy, it usually ends up to being a very painful process for them. So uh, the next uh, few weeks, I'm going to try and cover those and use my experiences in my current and the previous company that I work for to try and uh, bring some of those things to people's mind mm-hmm. so that they can do migrations in a better way or in a more uh, smoother way. Otherwise, you might end up developing your own tools through the, the migration. I think Stripe did that. I, didn't, I don't really know how well that went for them. Maybe uh, because any other attempts have always been a, a burden for automatically migrating to from JavaScript to TypeScript. Very cool. Yeah, I've done a few migrations, not of JavaScript to TypeScript, but of other systems. And yeah, what you wind up doing in a lot of cases is basically what you said. You sit down and you make your plan. I mean, anything new, you know, that that doesn't require the kinds of infrastructure that make it hard to write TypeScript or write whatever the new system is. Yeah, you just do those, right, yeah. in, the, in the new language or framework or whatever, right? And then, yeah, maybe there's some infrastructure that you just simply need to update, right? And so you you go and you work through those because now it's, it's painful to have them in JavaScript. But yeah, you start. Uh, and usually what we did is we had some kind of documentation, so it was Notion or something, right? And we'd go in and we'd say, this needs to change, right? This needs to change. And what you usually wind up with is you wind up getting about 70% is my experience of your app will kind of naturally flow to the new system, right? And some of it will be painful for you to change because it works great the way it's written, but eventually there's enough tech debt around adapting to it that you just you have to update it's more it's more work to maintain how it is at this point and then and then you've got the other 30 percent that's just stuff that just doesn't change or doesn't get off and used. and and what i found there is that a lot, oftentimes what we wound up doing is having the conversation about whether or not we even needed it as opposed to whether or not we were going to convert it yeah it's a uh, the 70 percent is an interesting number if you think about it because it's unless you have you put your head into it and say uh it needs to be a hundred percent you always get to the point where you are like very happy with your code base because no one touches the other stuff so no one is going to migrate it and no one is suffering from like having to edit but for because you have already migrated everything whereby you have to touch every day where most of the changes are coming from those mm-hmm. usually are usually the first ones to be like hey, let's get those on to touch let's uh, let's get those even even for those companies that are coming from 
we don't write tests, we need to do some tests with test coverage. It usually goes into that direction whereby anything that's regularly touched is the one that gets affected first and then everything else slowly. And then it gets to a point whereby it comes to a halting stop whereby even people are afraid to touch those stuff no one touches because it works and no one knows why it works. So everything comes in and we are like, eh, no, let's just leave like, like that. And maybe at some point you can have that bit about removing them if you don't need them or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Well, are there other things you want to make sure people know about either TypeScript or the uh, newsletter? Not in terms of TypeScript. So the one thing I, wish, uh, I have been trying to do literally in terms of TypeScript is that I'm trying to sensitize people in ta- to understand, to have a good understanding of JavaScript as well and understand that there are relationship between the two. Because once you write your code in TypeScript, it's going to run in JavaScript. And if you can understand how it's going to behave at runtime, then you're going to write your code a little bit better and know what to expect. And also understanding the typing system for both of them because uh, TypeScript is statically typed while JavaScript is weakly dynamically typed. And that allows you to Mm -hmm. know Still, if you don't do your validations at runtime, you might end up doing uh, having bugs that are unexplained. So one of the things I'm trying to sort of like move people towards the direction is sort of like validate your data at runtime. So you don't just say data that came from an API or any other external sources uh, just asserting it, but you can use something like uh, IOTS or Zod to do the validation and ensure that mm-hmm. you have better, you are, you are working with the correct data at runtime, which makes your program more, much more type safe. Cool. Steve, did you have any other questions or thoughts that you wanted to share? No, uh, not at this point. Like I said, uh, this is a discussion that happens all over the place in terms of TypeScript. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, you know, I guess I'm at the point where I'm a believer, but haven't believed enough to really implement it. Although I, I will say I am starting a new app project outside of work, I guess you'd call it a side project, where I'm going to, it's going to use Inertia.js with Laravel and Vue 3. So I'm thinking I might try implementing TypeScript there. So we'll see how that goes. Knock on wood. (laughs) Cool. One last question that I have for you, Maina, is a lot of people are, they're, they're kind of in the boat that Steve has described or that I've described, right? I haven't gone deep on it. I'm curious about it. I think it's probably going to make some of the things in my life easier when I'm writing code. Do you have some favorite resources for people who are are trying to get into this or trying to understand it? And then I'm not just talking about like intro tutorials, but you know, places where they can go throughout their journey, whether they're experts or not, and kind of know what's going on in the TypeScript world and pick up new pieces, ideas, and things that they can go work off of? Yeah, they are, uh, I'll probably start with my newsletter, <laughs> obviously. but uh, top- It's the best. <laughs> Actually, it is. I went and looked because when we had you on Adventures in Angular, I went and looked at it and I was like, this is really well put together and the links are solid. So, yeah. Uh, thanks. <laughs> so, on top of that, is there are a few people on Twitter. I don't know if I remember the name. I probably should put a, uh, put a list on the show notes. Uh, so I'll probably recommend doing that. One of them, one of those that can jumps into my is, I think, Matt Peacock. If you want uh, to run TypeScript all the way from start to the advanced, 
He does these short videos. He has courses. He has almost everything about TypeScript. And the other one is the author of uh, Learning TypeScript, the book. I think I shared that on the show notes from last time. What is his name? I'm terrible with names, so <laughs> just forgive me. Forgive that. I'm, go- I'm going to put those on the show notes. And he basically does a lot of TypeScript. He's also one of the maintainers for ES for TypeScript. So those, uh, those are the ones that jump into mind in terms of TypeScript resources. And then uh, in terms of books, there is, uh, they start a running TypeScript book. By then there is also another book by forgetting the title book for that last book, which is an old one. Is it that is a, a book with uh, more like 50 lessons in TypeScript? Sort of like things to do in TypeScript when, whenever you find yourself in this situation. It's a very nice book that alleges the lessons from beginner all the way to an expert. You're always going to find something interesting from migrations to understanding internal working of TypeScript to understanding how to do various concepts with TypeScript. So that one is Effective TypeScript. Yeah, so very nice book. And by Dan, Apo, we're going to butcher that name. <laughs> Last name. <laughs> and then this one is by Josh Goldberg. Uh, he's on Twitter and the book is Learning TypeScript. So both books are nice for both beginners and experts and they have sort of like uh, different different approaches with effective TypeScript having like uh, lessons whereby if you find yourself in this situation, uh, do this and then having sort of like uh, a quote that you can follow. Or else the other one is more about how to do different things in TypeScript with all uh, guides of that. So that one plus yeah. uh, Matt Peacock, uh, he has courses which are free and things like that. I think something to do, something called type total TypeScript is a course he does, which has things from beginner all the way to advanced stuff, understanding how to manipulate types and do crazy stuff. He does those short, less than two minutes videos on Twitter. And <laughs> they're always like uh, leaving you to in a moment whereby you're like, oh, I didn't know I could do that in TypeScript. <laughs> Very cool. Well, thanks for all those. We'll make sure they all wind up in the show notes. Have you ever wished that you had a group of people that were just as passionate about writing code as you are? I know I did. I did that for most of my career. I'd go to the meetups. I'd try and create other opportunities. And it was just really hard, right? The meetups, I got some of that, but they were only like once or twice a month. And it was just really hard to find that group of people that I connected with and and really wanted to, you know, talk about code a lot, right? I mean, I love writing code. I think it's the best. And so I've decided to create this community and create it a, a worldwide community that we can all jump in and do it. So we're going to have two workshops every week. One of those or two of those every month are going to be Q&A calls, right, where you can get on, you can ask me or me and another expert questions. Uh, the rest of them are going to be focused on different aspects of career or programming or things like that, right? So it'll go anywhere from like deployments and containers all the way up to managing your 401k and negotiating your benefits package. We'll, we'll cover all of it. Okay, And then we're also going to have meetups every month for your particular technology area. So we have shows about JavaScript, React, Angular, Vue, and so on. We're going to have meetups for all of those things. I'm going to revive the freelancer show. We'll have one about that, right? So you can get started freelancing or continue freelancing if that's where you're at. And I'm working on finding authors who can actually do weekly video tutorials on something for 10 minutes that's related, again, to those technology areas so that you can stay current, keep growing. 
So if you're interested, go to topendevs.com slash sign up and you can get in right now for $39. When we're done, that price is going to go up to $75. And the $39 price gets you access to two calls per week. The the full price at $150, which is going to be $75 over the next few weeks, that price is going to get you access to all of the calls and all of the tutorials and everything else that we put out from Top End Devs along with member pricing for our remote conferences that are coming up next year. So go check it out, topendevs.com slash sign up. I'm going to push us into picks, which is our next segment of the show. And you were on Adventures in Angular, so you understand picks. Let's have Steve start us out. We, we need a high point, Steve, a high point. The high point of every episode, the dad jokes of the week. That's right. Oh, let's see here. So the other day I went to the, uh, you know, I was at one of the stores and big stores and, you know, they always have, well, let's just say I had the nastiest, rudest, slowest cashier of the entire day. But I guess it was my own fault for using the self-service checkout. (laughs) Right. Courtesy laugh. Yeah, yes. So why did the lion eat the tightrope walker? He wanted a well-balanced meal. And finally, did you hear about the guy with the irrational fear of buffets? He just couldn't help himself. Thank you. All right. So conditioned that he doesn't even smile anymore. Oh, sorry. Anyway, I'm going to jump in with some picks. I've been doing the game board, board game picks. Last night, my wife and I went over to a friend's house and we were playing games with uh, two other couples who are really good friends of ours. And we played a game, and I always mess the name of the game up. So let me make sure that I'm getting it right here. It's Betrayal in the House on the Hill. Betrayal at House on the Hill. Yeah, that's why, because anyway, I guess House on the Hill would be proper noun because it's a play. I don't know. Anyway, came out in 2004. There are a couple of expansions to it. We were playing one of the expansions, but this is a friend game that my friends had. And anyway, it what what it is is it's kind of like so you you play teenagers who go into this haunted house, right? And they start exploring the house and eventually they trigger like some haunted activity. And when they trigger the haunted activity, then typically one person winds up being the betrayer. That's why it's a betrayal. You're the traitor. In this game, I was the traitor. And so then it picks a random scenario out of the scenario books and you play, you know, so if you're the trader, you're playing monsters and you're doing other things to, to try and meet your win condition. And then the players or the, yeah, the players become heroes and they're trying to essentially escape. And so they have to meet certain conditions to be able to escape the house. And, Anyway, it was really fun. We had a good time. Um, we went over there at like eight and we played until like midnight and it, it was awesome. It says that the average playing time is about 60 minutes. We did wind up with uh, a haunt from the expansion and just the structure of it. The different the different haunts take different amounts of time. It Yeah, it typically runs an hour, maybe an hour and a half. But this one, for whatever reason, just took a really, really long time and it was complicated. So it, it took us all a little bit of time to figure stuff out. So anyway, it was a lot of fun. If uh, this is one game, like we get into kind of the involved board games and card games and like one or two of my kids will really play them with us and the others won't. This is one game that all of my kids will play because they can just go keep exploring the house or they can go and uh, try and fight the monsters or they can go and 
you know, and, and you're rolling dice, but it's it's relatively simple compared to like D&D. So anyway, at the end of the day, that's kind of where things shook out. And it, w- it was it was a lot of fun. So I'm going to pick Betrayal at House on the Hill. I got it right. I won't do it again, but I got it right that time. So anyway, I'm going to pick that. <laughs> a few other things I did mention the book club. We're doing clean architecture. Go check it out. Topendevs.com slash book club. I think I'm going to make it book club and book dash club and they'll just one of them will forward to the other one. So you don't have to think about it. And then uh, finally, and this is the thing and I'm really starting to get to get it all come to come together. So initially what I wanted to do with top end devs is I wanted to have just a bunch of courses, right? And so you would subscribe and then you'd be able to, you know, watch any of the courses that are available. I'm still doing that, but it's not my primary focus anymore. And so I'm, I'm looking for authors and you'll get compensated if you author a course for us, right? And people go watch it. And but we're making the courses so that people can buy them one off or they can subscribe and watch a course or watch any of the courses that are available under the membership, right? But the thing is, is I joined a group that was doing things a little bit differently. And what they were doing is they have weekly calls. So they have two weekly calls. They all have different themes to the calls. And so people can show up and we just discuss a topic. And sometimes we have experts show up and help us with the topic, right? So what I'm looking at is I'm looking at doing the same thing, right? And so like two or three of the calls every month are going to be Q&A calls where you just hop on, you ask the group, I'll be on there, right? So you you can bring questions you know I can answer, you bring questions you think the group can answer, and we'll just talk through things and make sure that you get the help you need, right? We'll have other ones where they're more get-to-know-you calls. But I also want to bring some in that are more um, sort of career-focused. So we're talking like, my company offers a 401k, how do I best take advantage of it? Or my company offers a stock purchase program, how do I take advantage of it? Or how do I deal with being the team lead, right? And, and have a leadership session every month. And then I'm also looking at having extra sessions that are the ones for each show. So one will be JavaScript, one will be Ruby, one will be Angular, one will be React, one will be Vue. And and we'll do all these calls too. But yeah, so I'm also looking at the the technical topics like, say, DevOps or infrastructure, right? You mentioned infrastructure as code and doing TypeScript to do infrastructure as code. So maybe we bring somebody in who knows all about that, who can come in and, you know, spend a half hour, an hour walking us through how it works and answering questions about it. And so uh, I do want to have those kinds of technical things, too. And some of them are going to be more broadly general, like how do I get started in doing security for my app? right? And some of them will be pretty specific about, here's how you set up serverless so it'll run on GCP, right? So it'll be a good mix. And then we'll also, like, if you want to do serverless with JavaScript on GCP, right, then that may show up in the JavaScript meetup instead of a regular twice a week meetup. I'm At this point, I'm looking at running them all on Zoom. And then afterward, I'm, I've been playing with a system that I really like called GatherTown. And so after the meetup, what I'll do is I'll open up GatherTown. And so everybody can log in there. And effectively, you can walk around the little world that's in there. And you, if you walk up to a group, then you can participate in their conversation. And so then I'm assuming like three, five, ten people are all interested in discussing something further there. Or, you know, there's another group that's discussing hiring, right? Because we're seeing a bunch of people get laid off these days. And so it's like, how, how the flip do I get another job or, you know, who's hiring or things like that, right? And so we can kind of set out areas where people can go talk about the different things. Or if you just want to meet people, right, you can just join the conversation and just yak about whatever, right? 
so that's that's the idea. That's what we're that's what we're put we're putting together. And then yeah, you'll get access to the courses. So like the I have a resume course that'll be part of the deal. And and I want to start adding more technical content that you can just consume that are just videos like 10 minute videos. So that's that's what we're putting together. And so if you're looking for a community where you can come and you can participate, you can have be part of the conversation and and the book club's also included in that you know, and learn stuff and be staying on top of things, you know, and knowing what's what stay current on in whatever area you want to be in, then then this is what we're putting together. This is what we're doing for that. And yeah, I just want it to be a place where people can come and yeah, just be part of the conversation, have have a good time. And this is this is something I always wanted for my growth journey is just people to connect to who loved it as much as I did. So anyway, you can go to topendevs.com slash sign up and you can join. And then there was something else I was going to pick. So I just finished the book Never Seen. I think I picked this, picked this book series on previous episodes. First book is Keeper of the Lost Cities. And it's kind of a Percy Jackson, Harry Potter style where you have a bunch of kids going and fighting for good. And, you know, there's magic and stuff. And they're all kind of... So I've read fantasy books where there are like definite rules to the magic. And then I've read fantasy books like Harry Potter and Percy Jackson that don't have definite rules, right? They can just do things and then they can do things up to whatever their limitations are. And and that's more the magic style in this book. And they're fun. My kids really love them. And they're interesting enough for me to keep listening to them. I've, I've been enjoying them, right? It's it's a nice way to just kick back and, and chill. So anyway, lots of picks. Sorry for rambling. Mine, what are your picks? Yeah, no, I just <laughs> have one. <laughs> all, all of the three. And then that, all good. <laughs> and then I got at least the hardest of them. So, <laughs> and anyway, I'll start with a movie. So, uh, something I'm looking forward to seeing. Uh, no, actually, not a movie, a TV show. I don't know if you have seen or watched uh, Dragon Prince on Netflix. I saw the fourth season is out. And about uh, these two kingdoms, whereby one is uh, human red and then the other one is magical creatures and they are at war with each other and then they go and steal the dragon prince is now at the an egg when they stole them and then the prince in the human kingdom wants to return the egg against the wishes of some people within the kingdom so his father is killed and the person who becomes rigid uh, is after them because they don't really want the egg returned to the other kingdom which is called Zedia and it's an interesting journey allowed how uh, the, 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 the young kid, which, who, who is very young, and his brother walked walk towards together with people who they were told they were enemies to unite everyone else. And in the end, the, the dragon prince mother who was, uh, was sick wakes up to see her son and everyone out there, that is humans and other uh, magical creatures in front of them and is very, very happy. So I'm looking forward to watching the fourth season. I haven't watched of it, so up to the point where I narrated very poorly. <laughs> that was up to, I think, the third season. And it's something I'm looking forward to watch. It's a very nice sort of like uh, adventure animation, and I'm sort of into huge animations. So the other thing I really wanted to mention around, this is mostly for the developers who are 
coming into uh, who are starting out their journey, even experienced one, but most one is that uh, Google has this uh, DevFest season whereby we have uh, hundreds of events happening in different cities every weekend. So if you want to, if you are looking to connect to, with developers within your regions or even outside your region, because some, some make as far as, uh, those are those smile. Please look up, uh, look up for those, uh, events they have. It's called gdg.community.dev. Uh, I think that's the website and you can find events all near you. And I can promise you this, there's an event near you. And there you're going to be interacting with, with uh, other developers like yourself. You're going to be meeting experienced developers. And uh, you might meet a few Google Assistant there and also a few GDEs and you'll be able to make a, a very good network and be able to learn from some of the best people and be able to sort of like have answers from people you, you want. And this is all in person if you, if you, if you want, but there are some of those which are a virtue, but at the end of the day, when you're making the connection and talking to people, that's when you you are able to understand what you need to do for your career and move next, move to the next steps. So uh, I think that's it for me, uh, those two. Awesome. If people want to connect with you online, where do they find you? So I'm currently on Twitter. So mycliff underscore dev. Everyone, everyone else says that is LinkedIn, GitHub, minor weekly double F at the end. So minor weekly, no spaces in between. Uh, apparently, someone is using minor weekly on Twitter. I have no idea who. I didn't know there were two minor. A minor weekly. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's then they apply the combination minor we cliff we cliff minor and apparently all, right. all of them are gone <laughs> yeah so all right yeah well and how do they sign up for the newsletter so all things uh, all things types you dot dev there uh, there will be you'll be able to access old issues there and then there should be a sign up uh, you you add on to a sign up page where you'll be, you'll be asked for your email address you just get the content from the newsletter. It doesn't come from any other any other place. So your list is I keep that I keep that email list as sacred as you as you trust you have given me to <laughs> just send you the emails from the newsletter. All right, cool. Well we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up here. Thanks for coming. Mm-hmm. And until next time, folks, max out. Adios. Uh, thank you. Bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.